0: Welcome to the Red Clinic Podcast. I'm Dr. Shwalian, licensed psychologist and eating disorder expert. Today, I'm going to talk about how to develop critical thinking skills in your kids and how parents can prevent creating body image concerns in their kids. The reason I wanted to talk about this topic today is because I actually went and listened to the previous episode because I couldn't remember (laughs) what I talked about last week. And so um, part of what I had said was You know, there's that biopsychosocial aspect of thinking about the development of eating disorders. And that social component is that one area where I think we as um, clinicians, family members, friends of people that are affected by eating disorders can, can make a really big impact. And so today's topic is really about how to have just maybe a little bit more impact in that social area when we're thinking about how eating disorders form. And I want to talk about kids because I think, um, well, first, pediatric eating disorders is a specialty area of mine. But I think that if I talk about kids, it still applies really well to what teenagers and young adults and even older adults can do when they're thinking about their own bodies and their own thinking skills. So when I say, you know, there's that social aspect to the development of eating disorders, I kind of want to review what that means. Um, I like to think about that social aspect in many different layers or many different levels. You know, there's that, that global level where we know culture plays a real big role in the way that the American society or a lot of Western cultures will internalize the thin ideal of beauty and basically create all these different aspects to you know why being thin is also being healthy, why being thin is better, and why if you're not thin, you should do everything you can to strive to become thin. Um, and so there's definitely that value as a society overall in a general sense. There's also, you know, that trickle-down effect that that value has in how we live our lives in our homes, the conversations that we have with others, the things we focus on and spend time on, and even how as parents or adults, we may model what we're doing in terms of valuing that thin ideal for our children. And so that's really where this is coming from. So when I say, let's think about how to build critical thinking skills in kids, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, how can we make more awareness of this societal norm more a part of our everyday conversations? So if we're talking to our kids, um, you know, regularly, or if we're talking to our friends and we know our kids are listening, are we being intentional about what we're talking about? That's a real big major way that we can develop critical thinking skills in our kids and when i say critical thinking skills i mean let me like break that down a little bit so before the age of really 12 or 13 kids are extremely concrete thinkers and this actually is seen in even older kids and some adults too especially if they struggle with perfectionism or real black and white extreme thinking patterns, and so when someone's real concrete, they may take a tidbit of information and make something really big out of it, so for example, I worked with a child once who was, was being seen for an eating disorder, and they were able to say they believed the, that their eating disorder started when their school actually launched a campaign that promoted less drinking of milk. So instead of the Got Milk campaigns that used to be huge and and when milk was promoted, this was actually a shift on that. And so this, this child was about 10 years old. She saw a poster at school that promoted drinking less milk. And She then internalized that immediately as, if I'm learning this in school, it must be important. It's true. It's on a poster. It's in writing. And so milk was one of the first things, and dairy in general was one of the first food groups that she started to restrict. And then after that, you know, one thing led to another, and she started eating less and less and less, and then the eating disorder really took root. So that's one example of just real concrete thinking. Another really good example that I see in kids a lot, um, and it's really unfortunate that this happens so much, but it's just so real that I want to make sure I talk about it, is when kids go to the doctor for their physical. So they're going for their annual checkup, and so often physicians, pediatricians, um, lead the appointment with... You know, wanting to know the child's height and weight and where they are on the growth chart. And this is nobody's fault. I mean, this is just how our society is trained. And this is how the medical profession likes to think about things. So if you think about it, from the day a person is born in our country, they have been assigned, you know, many, many numbers that are associated with their health. So what that means is, like when a baby is born, they're given an APGAR score. Their height and their weight are taken. They're labeled in how many inches they are. And parents will even um, announce that in the baby announcement. They let the whole world know exactly what their baby's numbers are. And so being defined by numbers is, is just something that, that we do from, from the moment someone enters the world. So when a child's going for their annual checkup, and the pediatrician's just doing what they've always done, they might look at a child's growth chart. They may uh, make a comment about BMI, and they might say something like, you know, it looks like your child is inching up, you know, in a concerning range on their growth chart. They may need to focus on losing weight. Or they may be even more direct and say, I want you, they may turn to the child and say, I want you to focus on, eating healthier and getting more exercise because you could stand to lose a few pounds. And so when a child hears that, first they're hearing that from, you know, a very respected figure, it's a doctor. There's a very concrete aspect to that. Like where's the information coming from? And then they might think, "Oh my goodness, I'm not good enough or I'm fat. I need to make a change very quickly." And so their concrete mind went to, there's a big problem here. I'm unhealthy. I need to fix this. And I've seen that so many times where, you know, maybe well-meaning pediatricians who had no intention of triggering the cause of an eating disorder actually ended up being the reason, you know, why a child was then triggered to go into eating disorder mode. I love to provide education on eating disorders and collaborate with pediatricians for this exact reason because I really hate it when parents, you know, get that experience. They go to that physician that they so trusted and it was there where their child, you know, was hurt or felt that pain. Another really good example of this is when moms or dads might say something like, you know, I don't want you drinking. Uh, sugary beverages, or I don't want you eating that because it has too much sugar, Um, sugar, too much sugar is not good for you, too much sugar is bad, or, you know, our family members struggle with high cholesterol and obesity. And so we can't, uh, we can't go down that same route, because we know that there's too many health complications associated with that for us in our family. So they may say something, just kind of not knowing that it's having an impact on their child. And yet the child hears that or maybe sees it in the family. Like maybe my, my overweight uncle had a heart attack and he passed away. And, and so I associate death with being overweight or something like that. So there's a real concrete connection that's being made. And we start to see the development of an eating disorder. So when I say let's focus on you know, developing critical thinking skills in our children, I'm talking about giving them the information they need to help their concrete minds make sense of information in a way that they normally wouldn't be able to because their brain just isn't developed that way. So their parent so their parents really need to give them the- those skills. So to be able to think more abstractly is something that happens as a child gets older. So what do we do when we know our young child is being exposed to, to images every day? I mean, you can't even, you can't take a car ride these days without seeing a billboard that's advertising some, you know, half-naked women's body, talking about a fad diet or some cosmetic surgery that somebody can get to change the way they look. You can't go check out at the grocery store Without seeing, you know, 50 different magazine covers that talk about the best way to get your bikini body or your summer abs or, you know, the holidays are coming up. So maybe the diet that you need to go on because you don't want to gain weight over the holidays. And you absolutely can't get by on social media or any of the um, different apps that kids are using these days without that influence. So... You know, even socially peers are putting pressure on each other to look a certain way or go out of their way to use different filters on the pictures that they post. And a lot of them um, um, change the way someone appears in a photo. So with all that being said, our kids are being inundated with this information. And so are we as adults on a daily basis. So when I talk about developing critical thinking skills in kids, I also want you to think about this as how to develop critical thinking skills in myself or model it for my spouse or my friends because adults need help with this too. The point here is teaching kids that just because you see it or just because you heard it or even just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. And so that's the key. Having conversations about, hey, we just drove by that billboard. Did you notice it? What did you think about that? What did you see? And, 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 and being very curious about what your child says about what they're seeing and what they made of it. How did it impact them? And then being ready to tell them what you want them to know. You know, if your kid is old enough and to understand, you may say, that's just an advertisement. That's a way to actually get someone to second guess the way they feel or feel about how they look about themselves. It might be a way to sell a product. There's an agenda here. There's a, an ulterior motive here. You need to know about what that is so that you're not just taking information in and accepting it without critically thinking about it getting involved in your child's use of social media and knowing the things that they are looking at is extremely important here and I am going to do an an entire episode about just technology and how it contributes to eating disorder uh, recovery and relapse prevention um but, but knowing what they're looking at and having conversations with, their, with your kids about that. So saying, you know, what did so-and-so post today? Or how does it make you feel to know that there's so many filters that are being placed on this photo? Do you know that what you're looking at isn't necessarily real? There are some really great examples that I like to show clients and families that I work with when I'm educating on this topic. It's the uh, Dove Real Beauty Campaign. So, you can actually just find these videos on YouTube. You can type in Dove Real Beauty Campaign, um, sketch artist, or photoshopping. And with those search terms, you'll actually find videos of what I'm talking about. So, they show videos of a billboard ad and how, you know, a, a very average, normal person can go into a studio with a bunch of makeup artists and cameras all around her. And then after the photo shoot, uh, for the advertisement, it's still not done. Um, it still needs to be put through the, the whole Photoshopping um, process to you know, lengthen her neck and uh, narrow her cheekbones and, and things like that before it's even ready for the billboard display. So showing kids those types of things can really help them realize that what they're seeing, what they're thinking, and what they're hearing may not necessarily be true just because it's out there in the world. When I have shown kids those types of videos in treatment, I have literally gotten responses like, oh my goodness, I feel like I've been lied to my whole life. Or I had no idea that this is what was going on with advertisements or women who are depicted you know, as supermodels or in bikinis or whatever. So the critical thinking skills is just so, so important. And the really good news is that parents and family members absolutely can influence the development of critical thinking skills in their children or even in their loved one who's struggling with an eating disorder um, at any time. So it can be to prevent the onset of an eating disorder, but it can even be during the recovery process. So this is one way that everybody can contribute to your loved one getting better. Now, the other thing I really want to touch on today is how to prevent body image issues in your child. And so this, this really takes a lot of self-exploration and ability to really look within yourself to to be okay first with recognizing what your own body image is. And so, you know, we know from research that if you put 10 people in a room, nine out of 10 people are gonna basically say that there's something about their body that they don't like. And nine out of 10 people are gonna say that at one point or more in their life, they have done something to try to change the way they look. Um, People take different routes to do this. They may diet and exercise. They may go get cosmetic surgery. I mean, there's all different ways that people try to change the way they look. They may just explore different uh, fashion and clothes and makeup styles or jewelry or tattoos. So everybody's different, but 9 out of 10 are going to say that there's just something about their body they don't like. So getting in touch with that first about you and your own personal relationship with your body is going to be one of the most important steps here. And then learning how to kind of shift or model a different approach to body and body image. So there's actually like movements out there that are, you know, we're gonna, movements that focus on no fat talk. Um, College campuses are really good at doing this. And I love it when households decide they're going to do this. So a lot of times moms and dads or siblings or just the family culture, they're real big on saying, you know, I look fat in this or I feel fat today or I can't eat that, you know, because this morning I I was so bad and I already messed up my diet. So I'm not going to today or whatever it might be. But that's all fat talk. And so one aspect of helping kids have a better body image and have a better relationship with their body is to really make the commitment and set the intention to move away from that kind of talk. And for parents who are focused on trying to build their kids up and wanting their children to know kind of who they are, it's real important to focus on other things other than appearance. So one thing that parents tend to do is to tell their kids how cute they are all the time. Um, You're so cute. I love your hair. Or, you know, for little girls, that's such a cute little bow. Or look at that cute little dress. And so there's a lot of focus on appearance. It's normal. It's okay that we go there first because humans are very visual. You know, we, we see things. We're, we're triggered to just kind of process that in the moment. And so that's what is natural to comment on first. Um, But when we're trying to be intentional about how how we're developing a sense of relationship with body and sense of character in our kids, we really want to try to lavish them with words of affirmation that have nothing to do with physical appearance. So I like to work with parents a lot to help them understand just different ways to lavish their children. You know, things like, um, I'm so impressed with with just how committed you've been to your sport. It's been amazing to watch, and I can see with that commitment, you're going to do really awesome things in life. Or if your daughter puts together, like, a really cute outfit, and you just can't help yourself from wanting to comment on it, you can comment on the fact that she put it together rather than how she looks in it. So... The way you put the different colors and outfit pieces together, so creative. I love how you tapped into that aspect of your personality. Um, you are your own person. You are you know, courageous or strong or brave. So being able to say things like that, still, I mean, those are words of affirmation that really have nothing to do with how a person looks. And can help your child really start seeing who they really are from a character focus. Um, when you do talk about body, it's really important and highly recommended that you talk about your body in or or a body in terms of what it's able to do. And express gratitude for what your body is able to do or what it allows you to do in life. So those of us who have, you know, full capability over our bodies are able to say, you know, my legs help me run. And it's because I was able to get up and walk to my car this morning that I was able to get to work. Um, or, you know, my brain, it helps me think and it helps me accomplish things. and That's where all my great ideas come from. Uh, my body is strong. My body helps me. Uh, focus or get things done that I want to accomplish for the day. So being grateful and thankful and thinking about the use that you get out of your body and what it allows you to do and how you're able to live your life and have the quality of life that you want because of it is how we can improve our relationships with our body. And then when it comes to exercise and movement too, the relationship we have to movement, is so, so important and, and it really comes out in the way we talk about it with our children. So a lot of times, you know, people will engage in exercise, especially when an eating disorder is present, but even when it's not, um, in order to lose weight. A lot of people think that exercise or the point of exercise is to burn calories. And that association is just so strong that it's really hard to think about it any other way. And so I think people can kind of buy into, well, we exercise because it's healthy for us or like it's good to move our body, right? But that's about as far as they get when they're trying to convince themselves otherwise that really we just exercise to burn calories. So I really like to talk to families and kids and just people who have eating disorders that come into clinic about Let's, let's move away from the word exercise just because of that real strong connotation that we, we link it up to calorie burning and, and changing our body. And let's think about it more as movement. So our bodies are meant to move. That's one of the cool things about them. That's why we're able to do all the things that we can do. And so if we think about movement, but then we add to that like joyful movement, We're no longer thinking about it as exercise. So joyful movement, like we really break that down. It really means, you know, am I doing, am I engaging in some way of moving my body where I'm also experiencing joy? And when you think about exercise the way most people think, like nine times out of 10, they're probably going to say, no, I'm not having fun. I'm not enjoying this. I hate going to the gym. I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. Or people with eating disorders might say, I know why I'm doing this to myself. I'm punishing myself. I'm running, you know, eight miles on the treadmill today. And I don't enjoy a second of it. Well, that's not joyful movement. Joyful movement is, you know, engaging in something like dance or bike riding or playing a sport or doing something with a loved one That involves movement, but it's actually quality time that's being spent with someone. And so it's enhancing your life. It's bringing joy. These are ways that, you know, parents can really model for their kids a healthy relationship with their body. And when it comes to body image, if parents are struggling with their own, I highly recommend they really tap into that themselves. So if that means, you know, working with someone in therapy to overcome some of those body image difficulties or just setting the goal that, you know, I'm not going to say these things out loud anymore or I'm going to focus on my positive affirmations and work on my relationship with my body first, that's an absolute best way to get started. So the urge might be to look in the mirror every time and say, I hate the way this outfit looks on me or I put on so much weight, or I feel fat. And I'm going to say to someone like that, well, can you feel protein? Can you feel carbs? Because fat is not a real feeling. And we're going to have to dig down underneath that and say, you know, what's really going on here? We usually find that when people say those things about themselves, it's because they don't feel good about themselves. It's because they're feeling a lot of shame, and there's a lot a lot deeper issues that are going on that we need to address. And so that's why, you know, that's what we do at the red clinic. And that's why we love doing the work we do. Cause we get to really uncover a lot of the things that drive that eating disorder or drive those body image concerns. And we get to walk alongside our clients in helping them achieve recovery, um, develop those critical thinking skills and overall develop a better relationship with themselves and their body. So that's the Red Clinic podcast today. I will see you next time.